Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast, uh, the app post 4th of July special. Uh, we took this little weekend off. That's why we're getting two guys on a Tuesday or Wednesday whenever this episode can get up. Uh, Reese, how are you doing? How was your 4th of July? You know, it was pretty good. Uh, nothing too eventful, um, but, you know, overall, it was good to have the, the longer three-day weekend. I was happy that, you know, I got to got to have that, got some time back to myself to just chill and, and do whatever. So overall, no huge complaints. Absolutely. Well, I uh, I have some good news. We had quite a few ratings uh, since our last episode. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like any of them are written reviews, but thank you to the three people who left us uh, reviews over this past week. We really appreciate it. We're up to 25 reviews. Um, which reviews are hard to get, man. They're really hard to get and they help us exponentially. If you could leave us a five-star rating and review, I saw one of you guys left us a four-star. You're dead to me. <laughs> um, <and laughs> no, I'm just playing. Uh, really, any review does help us. Ideally, five stars if you believe that we are worthy of it. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for the people that did that. And uh, man, we got another email. <laughs> we got another email. That's great. I mean, hopefully it's uh, slandering us for our use of filler words yet again and phrases. Un- unfortunately, unfortunately, it is not ah, a bummer. Really, dire- it's not directed at the podcast. It's more, you know, I- I'm a- I'm gonna say the 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 nice man who sent us this email. His name's Andrew. Andrew, thank you for your email. Uh, I'm just gonna read it off, and we're gonna get some uh, straight reactions. Ready? The Green Bay Packers have 14 players with more career receiving yards as a Packer than the Bears' number one receiver of all time. <laughs> okay. Coming in I strong. I appreciate in strong, that, Andrew, that. I mean, that really puts that, it into perspective. It really does. Uh, coming in at number 14 for the Green Bay Packers is James Jones beating out the Bears number one by about 130 yards or so. Another fun fact. Out of the top five Bears in receiving yards of all time, number two is Harlan Hill, who was so good at receiver that he switched to DB in his <laughs> final three seasons with the Bears. He managed 4,616 yards, and fourth and fifth player are running back Peyton and tight end Ditka. Wow. Another fun stat, Detroit had three receivers who all accumulated more, and they were all on the same team at pretty much the same time during the 90s. Herman Moore, 9,174. Gianni Morton, 6,499. And Brett Perriman, 5,244. Okay, that is astounding. You know, I'm going to be honest. I have no clue if this is 100% correct. These these numbers are pretty precise, which I appreciate a lot. But the fact that the Detroit Lions, man, have have so so much better receiving history than we do is uh is pretty damning. I understand you uh, he says, I understand your like, but that's the vaunted Detroit offense that boasted QBs such as Rodney Pete, Eric Kramer, Andre Ware, <laughs> Scott Mitchell, Dave Craig, <laughs> and Don Majkowski, Charlie Batch, Frank Reich. <laughs> is, is, that, is that Frank Reich yeah. as in Indianapolis head coach? Yeah. Oh, man. Gus Ferrot. Ty Detmer, Mike, <laughs> I like I like the extent of this QB, this QB list. Mike McMahon, and who can forget Stony Case? 
But also keep in mind, those three were able to accumulate an individual number with the Lions. No bear has touched in a while. The best option for most of the time was a top five running back of all time. Hope you get a laugh out of this. Sent from my iPhone. Yeah. First off, man. I- first off, I want to <laughs> say that, like, honestly, if we can get more emails like that, that'd be kick ass because I love that. And I honestly do trust those numbers. I mean, I'm not going to even go back and fact check either way. It, I believe either it. way it's, it's funny and cool, but yeah, I definitely get a kick out of it. And it really does put it into perspective because we've talked about it a few times on this podcast. Um, just how odd those records are. It's just an indication of just how poor this team has been at passing the football over its history. Um, with its low marks there and, and they have james jones <laughs> mr hoodie himself you know playing with a hoodie on right man i mean he was like a third option for rogers like his whole career his whole career mm-hmm. unbelievable yeah. uh I'm. <laughs> I like to think that this. I, I think he is a Bears fan. I assume he. I, uh, Andrew. I assume you are a Bears fan since you listen to the podcast. Maybe you're not, but I assume you are a Bears fan because a lot of Bears fans have uh, a similar mentality of like, how can we be this bad all the time? Um, <laughs> so I appreciate. It. But in my head, I like to think that Andrew just knew these numbers right off the top of his head. <laughs> like they're so ingrained into him. He's just like, can you believe this? Uh, and I, I appreciate. I do appreciate the uh, facts presented to us because you know I think we do know a lot about the game but you know there's always man with football it's just so expansive the history is so expansive so many teams I mean we just came up with a hundred years uh, of the NFL what was it last season two seasons yeah, ago one of the, I mean it was like it was the 100th like anniversary like last year was the 100th anniversary and then the season before <laughs> they did all the big celebrations so it's really hard to tell yeah yeah, well, the <laughs> the Packers, they celebrated their 100th year before the Bears did, even though the Bears are the founding franchise. Even though the Packers weren't even in the NFL for the two years prior, they were just like some like flag football team or something. And they were like, oh, yeah, we've been around for 100 years. Yeah, right, Packers. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's one of those things where it's like football, it's so expansive. It's just... There's there's always bound to be people that know more about it than you in certain regards, and uh, I I had no clue about any of that. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, just how terrible that record is in uh, perspective. I mean, we talked about this record. I feel like a couple times over the past week. Who, who I mean, who is the Bears' top receiver? Jeez, oh, man, you're gonna make me keep looking up. We, it's... Yeah, I I completely forget at this point. He played in like the '60s. Johnny Morris, yeah. John, yeah, Johnny Morris. 5,059 uh, yards. F- not even high into the 5,000s. Like, man, just scratch. Man. <laughs> you know? That, that, that is, that is uh, quite terrible. Uh, but anyways, what, what I was going to say is we're also younger Bears fans. You know, there's always going to be, you know, I, I have so much respect for guys who, you know, I mean, for instance, like my dad who has been a Bears fan since, I mean, for a much longer time than I have. And he can bring up names of really old football players that I've never even heard of. Yeah. I, I mean, also just be fair. Like we're just not the extremely analytical guys. Like I literally just built my knowledge of the game from watching it since my childhood. And mm-hmm. you're definitely a lot better person watching the tape and you can really break down tape very well. But when it comes to like those almost sports center level, like analytics like that, like mm-hmm. no way in hell are we touching that. You know, we're just not really those kind of guys, football guys. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the NFL films type of yeah, exactly. type of statistics, you know. Thank you so much, Andrew, for sending us that email. We do really appreciate stuff like that. Um, and then also, oh, we got we got an update from our last emailer. Uh, let's see. We did, in fact, get an email back from Adam, who was the individual that left us the very critical email of last week. And he said, great new episode. <laughs> <laughs> so so we earned his trust back. Thank you, Adam, also. Uh, and thank you, everyone, so much. Please, if you can, leave us a rating review. Helps us tremendously. Uh, really helps our search volumes. And we've really seen a difference in our numbers since we've seen an uptick in review, ratings and reviews. Um, but let's go ahead and move on to the first topic. Uh, the Chicago Bears had no opt-outs this year, thankfully, uh, because of COVID. I think that was a little bit to be expected. Um, so, I mean, we, we go into the training camp knowing that we have a full roster. For now, though, uh, Eddie Goldman is reportedly, according to Brad Biggs, weighing retirement. And some people are saying maybe it's be, like he just lost his love for the game after this past season, actually being able to take a step back. You know, it's it's kind of like football is kind of like almost – any other work where like sometimes you can kind of get consumed into it and it really takes you know taking a step back uh to actually kind of understand your i guess mental state i think that's what's going on with aaron Rodgers right now as well um but eddie goldman having an entire year to reflect on it i mean he has made plenty of money <laughs> to this point you know he's he's not going to be poor uh for the rest of his life so uh, i mean you know if he doesn't love the game uh, anymore like some people are signifying he might not i i could see it yeah i mean you might as well not force it i mean first off good news on the like side of no covid opt-outs of course eddie goldman was the big covid opt-out last year I think you're pretty much probably hitting it on the head. I think it could be love of the game or just, you know, kind of the not saying that he's not still an athlete or anything, but even just the physical demand to get back into it after you take a year off. I mean, it's tough to get back into the game. I know we've seen so many headlines recently of, you know, Brandon Jacobs saying he wants to get back into it and play defensive end. And, of course, Tim (laughs) Tebow coming back. But it's pretty rare as far as having someone successfully step back into the league after, you know, some form of being out for, you know, extended period of time. I mean, it can be an injury. It can be whatever. Um, To get back up to where you were is extremely tough. And it was going to be an uphill battle for Eddie Goldman. I don't think it would be fair for us to expect him to be performing at that top level, even if he does come back and play. It's going to be a loss for sure. I mean, it's something that the Bears had to have had prepared for. I mean, you know, something that was definitely a possibility for sure. And, you know, we went through it and saw a little bit of what it looks like last year with having Bilal Nichols fill a spot. And he did a great job as a placeholder. But it makes you think, you know, do you want to go down that path and just kind of do a rinse and repeat of last year? Do you want to change things up a little bit, try to make an addition it's a little bit unfortunate that this is possibly happening. Of course, don't want to put any words mm-hmm. in his mouth and see if he's, you know, he might not retire. But, you know, it's unfortunate it's happening a little bit this late in the off season. Of course, there's potential cuts from yeah. training camp and all that that could trickle down and provide some kind of solution. But for the Bears, it's almost like, where do you go from here? Man, that's a, that's a very hard question to answer because... You know, the zero tech defensive tackle is just such a unique position. And 
you know, obviously, I, I would say roughly half the teams in the NFL run a 3-4, half run a 4-3. When you're looking at the 3-4, man, that is just such an important position because you're pretty much asking for uh, a defensive tackle to create a lot of disruption uh, in the pocket and getting really that one guy up front rather than having, you know, obviously the two uh, defensive tackles that a 4-3 has, you know, he has to be a big guy, strong guy. And there's just not too many guys that fit that mold. I mean, you look at Eddie Goldman, he's probably what, like close to 300 pounds, 290, maybe even above 300. It's, It's really hard to say, but He's a, he's a crazy big guy, and he, he's just so good at what he does. It would be a real bummer uh, if Eddie Goldman isn't able to stick with the team because we missed him tremendously last year. And I'm going to say it flat out. I mean, it, it's our run defense is going to suffer significantly this year again, if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. And I think one of the bigger upsides of Eddie Goldman was that he was already as good as he was, and he had plenty of career left to play out. Um, so it certainly looked like a, a he's like 25 yeah, he's 25 certainly a bright spot kind of heading towards the future be able to kind of have that position locked down but this is what happens with football I mean whether it be injuries or something like this you know you always have to be prepared and it's next guy up for the time being and you know the Bears will have to decide whether or not they want to search for a solution but yeah certainly I think expecting the Bears run defense to suffer is 100% true I mean we saw it play out last year I mean I don't think the Bears by any means. I, I could be off here. I, I don't know the exact what their defensive ranking was, but they weren't an awful run-stopping team, but you could definitely see the decline from previous years um, as, as far as just kind of a little bit of a hole. I think Bilal Nichols did a good job, but just kind of comparatively to what Eddie Goldman was doing just really wasn't quite at the same level. Well, Bilal Nichols is more of, even though he has gained a lot of weight and strength, he's more of a finesse defender than like a pure strength guy. You know, that's the best thing that Eddie Golden was. He was just disruptive. I mean, he wasn't going to, he wasn't always going to get free for the sack, but on every single play, he was getting a lot of push on the opposing team center. I don't think it's hyperbole to call him one of the top five zero techs in the NFL. I mean, obviously there's really only 16 starting uh, zero technique defensive tackles but I mean it, it's not hyperbole at all it, he could even be top three for for all that matter they're guys that don't tend to you know get a lot of publicity because it's kind of a more boring position I guess um, but so, something that's extremely important and if you look back to 2018 part of the reason why this team was so good was because nobody could run the ball yeah and you look at the look at the bears of you know, 2020 was a lot better, but specifically like 2019, they could not run the ball at all. And in 2018, they struggled with that as well, even with Jordan Howard, who had less than a, a great year in that 2018 season. Um, it's just like when you when you and, and this sounds very like old school football perspective, but when you stop the run, an offense becomes way more predictable. One dimension. And that's what. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It is one-dimensional, and really, the the modern NFL is all about multiplicity on offense. It's about uh, confusion. You mean you look at Andy Reid; he does such an amazing job at that. Uh, <laughs> I guess you can call Matt Nagy's runs on second and tw- and third and twelve uh, a little bit of a uh, some flair and some uh, <laughs> oh boy, you know, wouldn't expect that one, <laughs> right? But no. But in all seriousness, it when you stop a team from running the football. 
you prevent them so much. I mean, I'm pretty sure there wasn't a in 2018 there wasn't a single running back that got over 100 rushing yards on the Bears, and I think there was only a few that got above 60. And Todd Gurley was locked down in 2018 back when he was actually good. Uh, we're, I mean, we locked down Dalvin Cook, like got got really good running backs, but you know it, it, we're gonna we're gonna suffer if Eddie Goldman opts out or retires. I guess yeah, absolutely. And like you kind of mentioned, there's you know. It goes up and down in this division, but usually there's some good running backs in the NFC North, um, mainly from the Vikings. I guess the Lions would <laughs> not be a good example of that, and the Packers mm-hmm. kind of Aaron Jones. Do, they do He's have dead. it, and they don't have it some years. Um, but yeah, I mean the Bears have been able to shut them down over the years, especially Dalvin Cook is someone that has historically struggled against the Bears, and you know Eddie Goldman in mm-hmm. the past was a big reason why, and you know football it's so much of a team game it's a cascading effect on a lot of these things too when you have someone in there it can make you mm-hmm. know a lot of those other players especially in the front seven's life a lot easier and you take someone out and you know not only are you just removing that player and you know possibly taking a step down with the person that's filling in his shoes but you know then someone on the edges job might be a little bit more difficult or you know the next man over or the linebacker's job, for that matter, too, being able to just get to the second level even easier. It's just, it's kind of like dominoes, you know. First one falls, and, you know, the next follow. Exactly, and that was a big reason we saw Akeem Hicks' productivity slip. Uh, Bilal Nichols, I love him, but he's gonna he's got to be a 3-4 defensive end. He's not a 3-4 uh, defensive tackle. Uh, he just, he fits way better at that defensive end position. Uh, we're going to probably see his uh, production slip a little bit from last year or maybe stay the same because he, he actually was pretty productive last year. I think he had like six sacks or something. Um, the Bears certainly are not. What's hard is that the Bears have a lot of really good 3-4 defensive ends right now, but very few players that actually fill that defensive tackle position unless Kyrus Tonga, who we just drafted in the seventh round, just automatically you know, is amazing out of nowhere, which I don't think we should plan on. Uh, it's going to it's gonna be difficult. It's going to be difficult for the team. Yeah, I don't think there's really too much else you can say other than, yeah, I mean, you know, whoever is filling in that role, be it Nichols, be it Tonga on a complete long shot, you know, they're going to have to step, step it up. But, yeah, all is not lost. I mean, there's still plenty of depth on this defense. But, you know, everything just got a little bit harder for, for everyone else if he really does retire. Exactly. Okay, let's go ahead and move on. There's been some, you know, it's funny because I've noticed on the Bears beat, there's some really, really good beat reporters. Guys like Brad Biggs, guys like Adam Hogue, Adam Johns. Dan two, Pompey, two guys, I'd say. Yeah, Dan Pompey, some really high-quality beat reporters. And then, you know, there's some beat reporters. I'm not going to exactly name who they are. Uh, I think they kind of, you know, I, I think inside they know who I'm talking about if they're listening to this podcast, <laughs> where they kind of take news and they kind of really uh, blow it up bigger out of proportions than what it needs to be. Um, and that's what I think. And sometimes they walk a, a, a thin line between their opinion and factual evidence you know, factual or, or not even, or, or like rumors, you know, it's, it's different to have an opinion than it is to have a rumor. And I think that this is where this rumor is kind of starting from is it's really some beat reporters opinions. Jimmy Graham is supposedly a cut candidate candidate for 
the 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 2021 training camp. Reese, do you expect this to happen? What would you think if it did happen? Uh, just for, first thoughts right off the bat. Yeah, I don't think it's completely likely. I mean, I know that you know he would certainly clear up a good bit of cap. I mean, he's on one of the bigger contracts on the offensive side of the ball, and he's someone that you know maybe you can afford to live without. But I think for this Bears team currently right now, I mean, he's the best red zone threat that they have. That really played out mm-hmm. last year, and I think that they they need someone like him back. I mean, unfortunately, he is on that contract that he is he's older there's a chance that he's going to get hurt this year all those cards are are in play on the table right now but then there's also that kind of variable that you take him out and you know Allen robinson could step up and be a bigger red zone threat but you remove him out of the Mm -hmm. equation what's to say that the bears aren't as bad in the red zone as they were back in 2019 other than the fact that they don't Great have point. Trubisky at quarterback, you know, they could very much run into the same issues that they had with Montgomery not being able to punch the ball. And very much like we said with, you know, Eddie Goldman, you know, you remove him from the equation, then it puts a lot more pressure on everyone else to produce in the red zone. So I think ultimately, and almost unfortunately, he's the best, you know, red zone weapon that they got have right now. I mean, he put up like 10 touchdowns last season or, or something yeah. close to it. And, you know, that was a huge, huge step up. You know, maybe in the rest of the field, he could step up his game. He's not nearly as fast as he was. He's still pretty athletic. You know, you get rid of him. I just don't know where else they look, uh, at least at the moment. Of course, there's always room for, for people to stand up and Nagy to get a bit more creative at what he calls on the goal line. But, you know, right now his threat of going up there and catching the jump ball in the back of the end zone, either off a of fade or, or something back towards the goalpost is, mm-hmm. you know, one of the better options that they have. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said about Jimmy Graham, but he catches touchdowns, man. And if there's one thing you got to do in games, it's catch touchdowns. And the Bears in 2019, quite frankly, were absolutely atrocious at getting into the red zone. Honestly, in 2019, that offense was better than it probably looked on paper with moving the ball downfield, but it was really the red zone. I mean, you remember the Chargers game. Yeah, I was there. They were, <laughs> they were, yeah. Oh, yeah, you were there. I mean, they were, the Bears were really beating the Chargers and getting to the red zone by a by lot. A I think they took like <laughs> by like six six more red zone trips or something like that but they could not get the ball into the end zone it was like ah, man it was like watching paint dry I that was the that famous game, game where um, they had literally eight shots from the one yard line and, and couldn't make it in <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and that's just i'm not saying that those issues would necessarily come back because it's a very different offense now but getting rid of jimmy graham i would definitely be concerned with that because listen if you you know split jimmy graham out wide if he gets a one-on-one matchup, he's dominating that matchup. Like, that's just... He's not the Jimmy Graham back when he was, like... I guess t- towards the, the first couple years on the Seahawks. I know he didn't really ever reach his full potential on the Seahawks. But back when he was with the Saints, he, he wasn't a Jimmy Graham. But the Jimmy Graham that we saw last year was way better than the Jimmy Graham on the Packers. Yeah. And he was also way better than the Bears have had at tight end since Zach Miller, uh, unfortunately, had that injury. You know, he... he Jimmy Graham has been a pleasant surprise for me because I, I really grilled the Bears for giving him this contract. 
But listen, he's a $10 million walking touchdown. I want Jimmy Graham to stay on this team until we see that Cole Komet is really becoming that dominant red zone threat, that dominant tight end. I think that, you know, when you look at, God, I keep saying, you know, you know, that's the, that's That's the the word that I can't get stop. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's the new one. Uh, And, and at the end of the day, and you know, is banned from this podcast (laughs) further. Uh, But anyways, I want to see Cole Komet develop a little bit more than what we saw last year. And when you look at tight ends in the NFL, it's really not even their second year that you see them start to kind of, you know, sprout, sprout their wings and fly off into becoming elite weapons. It tends to be about their third year in the NFL, third, fourth year. Uh, it's just a, a much more difficult position to learn than something like running back. Um, and I, I think that Cole Komet's going to be a good tight end, but I think cutting Jimmy Graham, especially at this point in the off season would be pretty worthless. I, I don't see the benefit in doing that. Yeah. And, and not that Cole Komet couldn't get to this point, uh, but he's always appeared to me to be more of the tight end. That's good coming out of motion or set lined up mm-hmm. as a fullback and going out into the flat and scoring his touchdowns on the goal line that way. Um, not so much the jump ball target that Jimmy Graham is. And, and we'll see how he evolves. I mean, there's certainly potential for him to mm-hmm. to get to that point. But they're two different style of tight ends. And, you know, Cole Komet certainly has a lot more blocking ability than Jimmy Graham. But, yeah, I'm not at the point where I feel comfortable to turn that over and get rid of Jimmy Graham. I'm completely fine with walking him, like, let him go after the end of the contract. You know, for sure the Bears can look to... Yeah to fill something else there. But for the time being and, and what is kind of an odd transition year, you know, sometimes you just have to lean on, you know, what you know will, you know, hopefully provide as long as it's on the field healthy. And, and a lot of, you know, there's always exceptions, always is. But a lot of the great NFL teams can punch, punch the ball into the red zone and have at least a guy or two or three mm-hmm. that are there that are their go-to weapons weapons you know and if the bears get rid of mm-hmm. get rid of graham there goes their solid one and, and sure you have a couple other options there but it's just how far do you want to whittle it down you hope that cole Komet can take over the one position and jimmy graham can kind of be the situational number two but we need to see that play out and especially when you have a young quarterback i mean what Jimmy graham is kind of like the perfect weapon for a young quarterback where you can literally just throw that up there and 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 pray that he's going to come down with the ball, and more often than not, he will come down with the ball. So, I, I think I think Jimmy Graham. While yes, I, I do think he is overpaid. I think that he still provides uh, a much larger benefit to this team than I think a lot of fans believe he does. Uh, and, and I do think Cole Komet will will eventually become a dominant tight end in the NFL. Maybe not dominant, dominant, but he's going to, I do believe uh, in my heart that Cole Komet is going to be a top 10 tight end for the bears. So he's going to be a, a pretty good tight end, uh, at least in my opinion. So you, you know, when it's my opinion, you can take it as fast. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on again. Another one of these news topics that I think some beat reporters kind of put out as, an opinion that you know Bears fans aren't always the best uh, at critical thinking. Uh, the Chicago, uh, sorry, not the Chicago Bears. Chicago could be welcoming a second NFL team, uh, according to some beat reporters. And they kind of made mention that hey, uh, Soldier Field is going to be open. Chicago is probably the second biggest football market 
uh, second biggest sports market in the country. I know people say LA, but for people that know LA, LA is not really a football city. Uh, that I mean, that's why the Chargers can never pack a stadium. The Rams have a little bit of trouble filling stadiums as well. Uh, you know, the 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 LA is not is not really a football uh, city. So the, I mean, you can make a pretty good argument that Chicago should have a second NFL team, considering that uh, you know states like Texas have multiple NFL teams. Uh, I mean, even Pennsylvania has multiple NFL teams. It, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like, hey, they could probably handle it. Anyways, do you think that Chicago could potentially welcome an NFL team? Yes or no? I don't really think anytime soon. I guess in the future it's a possibility. And I get now that you bring up, you know, Soldier Field does have a vacancy. I know that the Chicago Fire are, are packing the stands right now, the, the soccer team. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. Mm, it's tough. I, I don't know if they could just fill it right away if they end up leaving. And it just, I question how good of a fan base that they would have, you know, it's just so tough mm-hmm. at this point that it's so much of a bear city. You know, it's just, it's exactly. so much a Chicago bear city. It's, I don't think they would lose a significant amount of fans from just simply moving out of the city. And then if they did bring in another team, then they're gonna have to start with like some niche following for people that are like, Oh, it's cool mm-hmm. to root for like the smaller team, you know, which there's people out there like mm-hmm. that. But what are you going to do? And then would they be an AFC team? Would they be an NFC team? Just probably AFC. Right. And and how would they fit into there? I don't know. It's just I'm not a huge buyer in that idea. I don't think it would necessarily happen. I don't think it would be extremely successful if it did happen. Could I see the city of Chicago trying to, you know, fill that void? Sure. I could see them trying to make a run at it, but. I don't think it'd end up being something very successful. Maybe they could pile some investors, big name investors together to try to make it happen though. Do you know what I honestly think is astounding? That a city like Green Bay has an NFL team. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's very true. It's, it's a very it's small crazy. City. It's a it, there is really not that big of a market there. Uh, there's not a huge market in Wisconsin sports in general, but just because it's kind of like the Bears because they're such a historical team, they kind of have a big fan base everywhere. Um, so you it's know, like it's a kinda, Milwaukee it's, that's football crazy. team in Wisconsin would. I mean, it's it's not a fair comparison to compare Milwaukee to Chicago by any means, but a Milwaukee mm-hmm. football team would not take on that well in Wisconsin. Like a lot of people are just going to remain exactly Packers fans. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not expecting a second Chicago team. It would be really crazy to me if that happened. Uh, I would be very shocked. Um, but maybe you know, I, I think some other people are flowing out. Maybe like one of these lesser leagues that have been trying to pop up. It's crazy how <laughs> it seems like over the past couple of years, there's a new alternative football league that pops up and uh, instantly dies out immediately. I, man, it's just like what was what was that one in 2018? That like they stopped mid season, even though people were starting to actually catch on to it. I can't even remember what was it was it like called the, at this point. It wasn't like the American Football League, was it? Was it? It it could have been. It was something. I don't know. Someone 
uh, if you remember the name of that league in 2018 that had to shut down midseason and players literally <laughs> there were there were reports of players literally getting onto planes and then being told by their coaches that they uh, are canceling the game and then the league didn't even put, uh, pay for their flight back to <laughs> the city that they were coming from. So uh, yeah, not not necessarily uh, the best look by any means. But uh, I, I think that we could uh, probably move on. Aaron Rodgers sidestepped questions on TNT about whether he would be quarterbacking the Packers on opening day. Reese, initial reactions, because that's, uh, that's pretty significant, actually. On TMZ? TNT. Oh, that's what the same. Uh, wow. Apparently, <laughs> that's, now they're breaking into the sports world, huh? <laughs> but, um, Okay. I mean, I know that it's pretty breaking. I get that. It's been it's been in flux this whole off season. You know, nothing's really going to catch me off guard. I don't see him wanting to play for the Packers. I know Packers. I know that he didn't opt out, so he's not sitting out this season, and he's really trying to force their hand at a trade. And ultimately, we're gonna have to see what happens. I, I just I wonder how long the Packers can let this drag out. Right? That's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. He obviously he doesn't need. He really doesn't even need a training camp. He obviously doesn't really need anything beforehand, like the mini camps or OTAs. But, you know, how long are they going to let this drag on until they finally decide to make a move? And will they literally just let him sit? There's no way they're just going to let him sit if he refuses to play. I don't know, man. You know, because they were going to want to get something for him. The haul that they could get for him would be quite significant. So, I don't know. It's, It's odd times on that front. Aaron Rodgers uh, specifically came out and said that this offseason was about improving his mental health. And people kind of forget that there's a human aspect to these athletes that we watch on Sunday. I I feel like there's a lot of people, a lot of NFL fans, not saying our listeners, because our listeners are obviously alpha males. You know, they're the top of the class. I'm sure that they... You know, have the have the best perspective on the yeah, NFL. Possibly than, alpha uh, females. I don't know how many, but yeah, alpha alpha female. We do, in fact, have some uh, female listeners. So thank you if you are a female listener. We really appreciate that. Um, as, as we said in a previous episode, we regret to inform all the ladies. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's questions being asked. Reese and I both do have significant others, um, but we we know that's a that's a that's a common question. Uh, especially with Reese's smoothing voice. Um, Our voices are just too know, much to handle. I'm, re- I'm ready for those yeah. emails, you know? Just the first 10 minutes are right. just emails about how nice our <laughs> exactly. voices are. Yeah, we've gotten a couple inquiries. No, <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, anyways, what I was going to say is people forget that there's a human aspect to sports. And Aaron Rodgers, he's always came across to a certain extent as someone who wasn't. And maybe you can tell me I'm off on this. He never seemed like he was the happiest individual. No, he never looks personally. Like nah. When when I saw him, and a lot of that could be due to the fact that football is a really really hard job. It's an extremely hard job. It's very taxing on the body. I mean, during the the regular season, it's insane. These players rarely you know see their significant others. They have to travel all the time. It's crazy. Um. Anyways. I think that Aaron Rodgers has kind of hit the point in his career where 
he sees the other side outside of football. I mean, people forget that Aaron Rodgers pretty much does not talk to any of his family anymore. Um, really, his main focus for the past, his entire career really has been football. And now it seems like he has a girlfriend. He's exploring things outside of football. Uh, I think that Aaron Rodgers, if the Packers don't trade him, what does he have to lose from retiring? If he does, I mean, listen, Matt LaFleur, in my opinion, in this past playoffs, proved to us that he's not going to, he's not capable of winning a Super Bowl. And that might come out as a hot take, but the way that he mishandled that playoff game, I think proved to us he is not a Super Bowl winning coach. And I think the, from the president to the GM, everyone in that organization has proven continuously because people forget. Brian Gutekunst is a relatively new GM for the Packers, but he comes from the same regime as the previous GM. There's a, there's a lot of people in this Packers organization. They kind of operate as a monarchy. You know, they, they, they kind of maintain control regardless of the situation around them. And Aaron Rodgers has covered up a lot of holes. A lot of people can say, oh, what's the excuses for Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers, truthfully... He does have a lot of excuses for not winning Super Bowls because they just failed to put an elite team around him year after year. This past year was probably their best chance and their head coach ruined it for them. So Aaron Rodgers, I I, I truthfully could see him retiring. Yeah, I mean, that's... I hope he doesn't because I'm one of the rare Bears fans that actually likes watching Aaron Rodgers play when he's not playing. Shame on you. I've always been more of a Brady guy, um, you know, but we'll start from the top. First of all, I think he's engaged, actually. Um, Yeah. And will he retire? It's interesting. I feel like he's someone that probably feels like he's got a lot more to prove, and I, I think that he does still have more to prove. But if it is about mental health and, you know, the media swarm that he gets for his position, I mean... Green Bay isn't any big bustling city, but you do, being one of the historic franchises, have a lot of eyes on him, especially someone like him is going to be in the headlines every week if he wants to be so, or, you know, if he's playing well, which he almost always does, you know, he's going to be up there. And yeah, the team hasn't done enough over the years. I think that he's had usually a good at least solid number one receiver and Devonte Adams. He has Devonte Adams. He has an excellent number one receiver, elite receiver, but they've always kind of failed to provide that depth. I mean, man, I, I'm blanking on who he was even throwing like the hail Marys to in the, uh, in that one wild Richard card Rogers. game against the Richard Rogers no, in I the Cardinals. Lions? Though. It was, um, Oh, it wasn't Janice. I don't think. It was something something like that. It was some yeah, just kind of lesser-known player that played pretty well for him. But you just have to look at who he's throwing the ball to sometimes. It, it, they have let him down for sure. I think retirement would be something that would actually probably catch me a little bit off guard. But if it's if that's what it comes down to for him where it's, you know, leave that team or bust, then it might just be what he follows. And maybe he'll end up just walking down Favre's footsteps, take the retirement, and then choose to come back into the league with whatever team he damn well pleases. Here's the thing. I just... Aaron Rodgers is a very unique character. He's a very unique personality in the NFL. He... And people have pointed this out. He has... 
He's an individual that's very strong-headed. He has been willing to completely cut off his family because of disagreements. You know, that's not uh, the average person, I would say. Aaron Rodgers, I feel like if he misses camp and the Packers start doing things to kind of poke him, like, I, I feel like this could go downhill very quickly. I do see a possibility he does start week one. I also see a possibility we see Jordan Love this entire season. I don't know. What would you bet right now? Would you bet on Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers starting week one? Mm. That is so incredibly tough of a call because I really do feel like it's almost damn near 50-50. But with the way this offseason uh, yeah. has gone and with how you know I feel like you know Rodgers really dug his feet into the sand, I, I would almost put the money on Love. I think so too. I think that week one at least do you think i I think there's a solid possibility rogers doesn't show up to training camp yeah i think so at least for the beginning of it man this this could get really messy for green bay and they better hope that jordan love is (laughs) spectacular (laughs) they better hope that jordan love is spectacular because even if this isn't even if jordan love being drafted wasn't the main reason for the Aaron Rodgers fallout. If he's not spectacular, they're going to clear house. I feel like. Yeah, we're going to have to see. I mean, like you said, they kind of do run it like a monarchy. So we'll have to see how it all plays out. But really, all the options are are open here. It's it's very wide open there. There's nothing has changed from what like February of this year up until this point. You know, there's still just a big question mark mm-hmm. looming there. So. I really don't even want to, you know, say what I, how I think it will go down because I'm honestly clueless. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. It's going to certainly make an off-season saga for us. I think we'll get a lot more information when training camp comes around. Okay, before we get into the final topic, I want to say that I saw something downright criminal on Twitter this past week. I saw someone say that Alan Robinson is already better than prime Larry Fitzgerald. First takes on that one, Reese. No. (laughs) I I just, like, listen, guys, we love Allen Robinson. I think both of us really like Allen Robinson. He's done a lot with a little. He's he's certainly a good wide receiver. He's certainly a top 10 wide receiver. There's a good argument you can make for him being top 7, maybe even top 5. But people forget how damn good Larry Fitzgerald was back in like... I mean, do you remember... I'm trying to remember the year. I want to say it was probably like 2015? Probably. Probably 2015. The Packers versus the Cardinals. Carson Palmer. End of the game. I think they're in overtime. Tosses up a grab to Larry Fitzgerald. And he takes it like... I think, if I remember correctly, he took it to the house. 80-yard touchdown. That's probably not even like prime time. Larry Fitzgerald either. That's probably like... And it, it wasn't. A few years past this prime. That man had such a long prime. He's had such a long career. And Allen Robinson might be a top, you know, 10, 7, 5, you know, receiver, like you said, right now. But Larry Fitzgerald's a top 10 receiver all the time. You know, he's someone that mm-hmm. has had a crazy good career. And has had to struggle through a lot of crap quarterbacks. I mean, he had Kurt Warner, which was probably the best that he's had served. And, you know, Kyler Murray now is 
interesting. I think Kyler Murray has good potential to do great in his career, but he's certainly been with him at the very beginning of it. Yeah, he's not where he's not at prime Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> Is that he's, hyperbole? He's not there yet. Um, Al Robinson certainly has a lot left to prove in his career, um, but we'll see. Hopefully when we revisit this in like 10 years, we can say, oh, yeah, such and such was right. It would make me very Turned happy and right. tickle me pink, but would definitely would not be prepared to say that right now. Larry Fitzgerald reminds me a lot of, funny enough, different position, same team, like a Patrick Peterson, where Larry obviously has had a much more longer career and maybe a better comparison would be something like an Adrian Peterson. Um, but really, when you talk about Larry Fitzgerald, he's always, I feel like always in his career, he was top five. I don't think he's Except, even, com- I mean, obviously, I don't think he's even comparable obviously, to like any these of those past couple- just because he's been really? able to sustain success for so long. And Adrian Pearson has had a couple good seasons that were outside of his prime, had a really good run with the Vikings and, you know, did all right with Washington, did okay with Detroit. But Larry Fitzgerald just never has even taken like that step down. Like maybe you're like, okay, he seems like a step slower, yeah. but I mean, the past couple of years, the past couple of years have been pretty bad for him. Like this past year, he didn't do that great. And the reason why I brought up Patrick Peterson is I've always viewed him as a guy that's been top five, top three any given year. But there's, I don't think there were I really. I'm trying to think back. I don't know if there's any year that I would identify him as the top wide receiver. It might have been like one year. I can't even place it, but it may have been a couple like years. second or third season. But that was like Patrick Pearson to me was the best like way early on in his career. I, I have a better I have a better comparison. Frank Gore. Okay. I'll take it. Frank Frank Gore, he and it is more unique because I think that Larry's prime was longer. Like, I feel like Larry... I mean, how old is he now? 37? Yeah. Really old for a receiver. Something like that? Yeah. Yeah, really old for a wide receiver. The past two years haven't been anything great, but, I mean, back back when those Carson Palmer... Uh, <laughs> it's so weird, because thinking... I feel like I grew up with these teams, like Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald, Bruce Arians. Like, those were the Cardinals teams I remember in the playoffs. Um but back when, back when he was with them, I mean, he was good, and he was old at that point still for a wide receiver. Yeah, and not to get too far off track because we can loop it back in in a second, but, I mean, people forget he damn near won him a Super Bowl, you know? If it, were, it wasn't for Santonio mm-hmm. Holmes and Ben Roethlisberger late at the end of that game, he had the, the big game-winning touchdown before that. Yeah, and I think the thing that really I will always remember Larry Fitzgerald for is whenever the moment got hot for him, he would always come down with the catch. And I can't say that about Allen Robinson right now. Yeah, I agree. Like, I feel like oftentimes when the game is on the line, if I'm being honest, and and listen, I'm, <laughs> I'm open to conversation here. I'm not saying this is completely right, but I feel like oftentimes Allen Robinson doesn't show up. And that's where I'd like to see. It's totally not his fault completely. I mean, look at the... Look at the quarterbacks he's played with. It, Mitch needs to throw the ball to him in order for for him to show up in those moments. But for now, I think that Larry Fitzgerald was definitely showing up in bigger moments. Um, specifically, that that playoff game versus the Packers, I remember very distinctively. But we can go ahead and move on. Uh, any any last words about that comparison? I think I I don't want to say it's that 
Allen Robinson is a great wide receiver. Don't get me wrong, but I I just hold so much respect for Larry Fitzgerald that I just can't even think about that right now. Yeah, no, I, I think you pretty well summed it up, and we can kind of move on to the last one. I think it would make sense. Basically, what we're covering here is just expectations for kind of number one in the position groupings and the skill position groupings on this offense for offensive for, players for this next season. And I think it's only fair to save Justin Fields for last because I don't think we can mm-hmm. really dig too much at him. We don't even know when he's going to be starting, but I think it makes sense to kind of start with Montgomery, go to Robinson, and then we'll hit on Komet kind of taking that assumptive Absolutely. tight end one and then Absolutely. wrap it up with Fields. So I think really what I'm... Let's talk about Dalton too. I want to talk about Dalton okay. as well because they're kind of 1A, 1B yeah. right now. Yeah, for sure. But I think to start with Montgomery, like I feel like he can continue to build off of last year, and the fact that I think he's going to have a better offensive line from the jump certainly makes me optimistic that he can have an even bigger year. I, I think, honestly, his biggest room for improvement is just even getting more involved in the passing game. I think one of the main reasons I was excited when they originally drafted him was because you know, we had Jordan Howard, so having that running back involved in the passing game was something that was a little bit foreign to this offense, and I still feel like David Montgomery could even be a little bit more. So I, I think ultimately, if he was even able to, you know, even if he doesn't rush for as much, I think if he gets to, you know, around the 1,100 like yard mark, but can get like, you know, 400, 500 yards receiving, he's looking at an like excellent year. So I guess I'd say just kind mm-hmm. of setting the bar a little bit lower than that, you know, maybe still at that like 1100 yard rushing. I don't think it'll take too much for him to, you know, get to that point, but maybe a solid 400 yards receiving, you know, I'll compliment him off would be, you know, really good and maybe even try to get him north of like 45 catches. I don't know. Yeah, let's, I mean, to start off, I'll read off his stats from last year. He had 247 attempts for 1,070 yards uh, with a 4.3 average yards per carry, eight rushing touchdowns, and then he had 54 receptions for 438 yards, uh, 8.1 yards per reception, and two touchdowns catching. So he was a 10-touchdown player last year. That actually, (sighs) see, listen, he was a 10-touchdown player, but I don't know if he played like a 10 10 touchdown player personally like I think that a lot of his touchdowns were based off a necessity from the passing game I would personally I would even be okay with David Montgomery's stats taking a step back but I'd like to see him more productive on a game by game snap by snap basis because he really showed out towards the end of the season the past five six games that was kind of when they got the offensive line ready for him um and I, I, I truthfully believe David Montgomery is a top 10 running back right now. I love David Montgomery. I've been super high on David Montgomery uh, this entire season. I think last year we predicted him to have 1,600 all-purpose yards, which he had about 1,500, a little over that. So we were pretty spot on with that. Listen, I want to see him. Ideally, I would like to see him hit 1,800 all-purpose yards this coming season. But I would be very happy, even if he has less touchdowns, even if he has less yards, for him to just be more productive on a snap-by-snap basis, getting that average up to 5.0, 5.1, I think that he's going to have a, he's going to be one of these players that's going to get a little bit less uh, playing time, probably because 
I mean, he was really our only good running back last year after Tariq Cohen went down. And now that we have Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert as well as Tariq Cohen back, I think he's going to face a little bit of, uh, I guess, a statistical regression because of that. But I still foresee David Montgomery being the top running back. I'd, I'm not going to put a specific number, but I want to see these averages go up. And I want to see him at least hit 10 touchdowns next year as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. He could certainly be a little bit more of an efficient player. That's for sure. And I think to a certain point, he was hampered a bit by what you know what the rest of the offense was doing around him to where he couldn't quite maybe be as explosive as we wanted him to be. Um, but yeah, you're certainly right in that mm-hmm. he got most of his production in like five to six weeks of the football season. So kind of just carrying that out over yeah. the course of a year would be huge for him. So ultimately, I think that's where I... St- He'd be like 2,000 all-purpose yards. He would have rushed for like 1,600 yards if he kept that production. Yeah. So ultimately, that's really where I stand with Montgomery. All right, Allen Robinson. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Allen Robinson. Uh, obviously, we talked about him a little bit before. Uh, never played with really any good quarterback throughout his career, but this could potentially be the first year. 27 years old. Um, it looks like he had a tw- uh, 1,250 yards last season, which is actually more than I thought he had. Um, 12.3 yards per reception, six touchdowns. Listen, with Allen Robinson, I think the big thing I want to see out of him, outside of the stats perspective, because he's he put up some really good stats last year. He's put up some pretty good stats these past two years. I would love to see Allen Robinson hit 1,500 yards a season. That would be insane. Um, but really, I'd like to see him be more of a red zone threat. And more, I want to see him come up more on third down. I want to see him come up more in key moments in the games. And that's what I would define a successful Allen Robinson season. A 1,250 yards is big for a wide receiver. You know, that's that's good numbers. I would be okay with, even if we saw, again, a little bit of a statistical slippage, as long as he comes up more in bigger moments. Yeah, I think my kind of standpoint from it comes pretty similar to where we were with Montgomery. I'd be fine with his targets coming down a little bit, his overall receptions coming down a little bit, but let's get that average from 12.8 to like 15, mm-hmm. 16. You know, what a year that would look like if he was able to kind of just make more of an impact as far as average, you know, average gain on those receptions. And I think Justin Fields, when he is starting – if he is starting at whatever point, and maybe even Dalton to a point two can help him extend that out a bit, just being more of a deep threat. I think that's certainly kind of wrap up his game well. I mean, we know that he can really eat at that, you know, usually 10 to 15 yard kind of range is where he can make a lot of his money mm-hmm. on a comeback, on those out routes, stuff like that. RPO. Yeah. I mean, listen, that's what that's what I would like to see from Allen Robinson. More yards, not from RPOs, because... If we're being honest, that's where a lot of his yards came from last year. Like, I would love to see him come up big in the end zone. Just make make some really good catches. And Al Robinson did make some good catches last season. But, I mean, if we look at it these past two years, I mean, statistically speaking, he had more yards per reception in 2018 with the Bears, which I think on the film it showed as well. It looked like he was a much more diverse wide receiver on the film that year. Uh, 13.7 yards per reception. 2019, he had 11.7. 2020, he had 12.3. Back when he had his big year in Jacksonville where he had 1,400 yards in 15 games, I think. Uh, 
he had a 17.5 yards per reception and 14 touchdowns. So again, I would like to see those yards per reception go up. Those touchdowns go up. If his overall yards slip a little bit, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm right with you. Let's get him in the end zone some more times. I think really a lot of the Bears skill receivers or skill players in general just really just a lack of scoring, to be honest with you. They usually do all right in the yards categories. Mm-hmm. Efficiency can be approved a bit, but just not really get into the end zone as much as they should be. And keep it up with the 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 crazy Allen Robinson, the one thing he's really good at is coming down with the ball in like awkward locations. I think that's why he was so good with Mitch. Um, so good with Blake Bortles too. He's, I mean, he can catch the ball uh, good with some pretty terrible quarterbacks, if I'm being completely honest. Um, one thing he needs to stop, I mean, this last season, for some reason, we saw him consistently get balls ripped out of his hands <laughs> on jump balls. That can't happen anymore. I think that happened three times last season, and that just cannot happen anymore. Uh, he's a big-bodied wide receiver. He's probably 6'3". I think he's 6'3". Um, if you're 6'3", man, you, you, you have to come down with that ball. Um, I, I would I would like to see a little bit more strength from Allen Robinson in that regard as well. But let's go ahead and move on. Cole Komet, uh, tight end. Man, this is this is a really hard one because... It's he's so young and his position is so hard to learn. I think last year, and I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, he had about 243 yards uh, with two touchdowns. I want to see him approach 400, 500 yards. Um, his average is fine. He had a good, he had a really good long touchdown against the Rams on the on the left sideline, uh, and those touchdowns need to come up. Ideally, with Cole Komet, I hope we see. 500 yards, uh, similar average, and about five, six, seven touchdowns if possible. Yeah, I was right there with you. I was going to say five touchdowns with somewhere in that range of five to eight would be perfect. Uh, If he's getting eight on this offense is rocking, which would be great. But, yeah, if he can get 500 yards, that's a perfectly sufficient season for him. Um, 240, I think there's still room for him to improve. There's no reason why that has to quite be so low. He's good with his hands, and as much as they want to use him in blocking, you know, use that to his advantage. Run some more of those plays where he's kind of acting, hanging around the line of scrimmage, you know, stays there for a couple seconds, maybe throws in a quick chip and just fade him out. Let the defense lose track of him and let him get some of those cheap, easy yards, you know. That yardage is going to go way up if he can get some, like, 10, 15-yard gains off of cheap little plays like that. You know, there's no reason why he can't get over, you know, 40 yards per game. That's not really asking too much of him. So I, mm-hmm. I, I definitely very well see he could get that. And I think he's capable of it as well. But like you mentioned, part, Certainly. part of it is due to his progression, which I think he can definitely take a step up this year. And part of it is just maybe a little bit of utilization as well. Maybe try to get him a little bit more active and involved in the red zone as well. I mean, Jimmy Graham is certainly the target to be had there, but you know, no reason mm-hmm. I can't try to give him a couple attempts and shake things up. You mentioned earlier, multiplicity is kind of the name of the game and, and NFL offenses these days. So make it happen. You know, you're best off when you can make everyone who's mm-hmm. on the field be a threat. And if the, if the, you know, the number one, uh, at each of their positions that we just mentioned can put up those stats. I think this offense is going to be a pretty good position. I think for the quarterbacks to simplify this, 
let's just talk about their stats as if they were playing the entire season. Um, so, for instance, Andy Dalton plays 16 games. Justin Fields, if you play 16 games, that'll just kind of make things a little bit more digestible, I think, for the listeners. Um, so, yeah, let's go ahead and start with the quarterbacks, man. This is the category that we uh, need to see. If we're seeing Andy Dalton, let's start with Andy Dalton, Justin Fields. You know, we'll save the best for last. Uh, obviously, the star on this team right now, which is crazy because, man, he gets more talk than Khalil Mack already. And I understand it. It's the quarterback position. But, man, the expectations are sky high for Justin Fields. I think he will uh, exceed them uh, even. But uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of crazy to think about we're talking about him more than a Hall of Famer that's on our team. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll go ahead and start off with Fields. I think go where I'm going to go is just kind of right. my... Dalton, Dalton, Dalton. Do Dalton first. We need to say Fields for okay, last. Okay, fine. Dalton. I'm going to be pretty realistic with my expectations and kind of just throw them out there since we haven't seen them play either of them on this team yet and i think with dalton what i'm kind of expecting if he played a full season give me 3800 yards and you know 20 26 tutties along with i don't know i'd say 10 to 14 interceptions 14 would be on the high side i always feel like dalton's someone that's somewhat responsible with the ball but you'll you'll get a pick or two Mm -hmm out of them and, and not really too much effectiveness on the ground. I'll, I'll touch on that with Justin Fields, but I think realistically that's where I'm kind of standing there. I don't know if he'll quite be able to breach 4,000 yards, but it's certainly possible. There's enough weapons on this offense to make that happen. Um, but I don't know. I'm just not quite seeing it for whatever reason. Here's the thing with Dalton is I don't think Dalton has changed that much throughout his career. I think the teams around him kind of slipped. I think with the Cowboys, he's obviously in a different situation. Um, I think he got a little bit injured there as well. You know, he's always had these injuries throughout his career. Um, But Dalton was a fairly respectable quarterback, kind of similar to Jay Cutler throughout a lot of his career. Um, Someone you never looked at as a top quarterback, but someone you said, hey, you know, you can understand why they might delay uh, drafting a quarterback because they have him. With the, in context, since we have Bill Lazor, and Bill Lazor did pretty good with Andy Dalton in Cincinnati with some really poor uh, Bengals teams. I mean, let's look at 2017. He had 3,300 yards, 25 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. 2018, in which the Bengals were pretty terrible, uh, he had 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Uh, I think both. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, Bill Lazor was on both those teams. Listen, I think that Andy Dalton, he's going to be with a better team than he's showing here. If he throws for 3,400 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions, I think that's a successful season for Andy Dalton. Yeah. And I know that's not even, that's not crazy expectations. I mean, that's similar to Mitch's best year. Um, I, I don't think that Dalton will be as will perform as poorly as he did with the Cowboys, where he had 14 touchdowns and eight interceptions throughout the season. I think that we're going to see him progress slightly, but still understand why he's not the long-term answer. Yeah, and I kind of, you know that's pretty much right on. I, I I'm right there with you, and I think conversely for Fields, you know the way I'm looking at it, mm-hmm. I think he's going to come out and spin it if he was playing the full season. Um, I could see him going for about 4,200 yards uh, passing. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that's unrealistic for him, to be honest. It's not. Um, and I'd say 28, 
touchdowns through the air. Um, and I'd still say somewhere in the realm of like 8 to 12 interceptions. Maybe a little bit higher, just feeling kind of a little bit of that rookie inexperience. And then on the ground, mm-hmm. I think he can add, give you another at least five to six touchdowns. And I think that's being very conservative. I mean, he likes to make a lot of money on his ground. Um, he can certainly scramble for quite a few um, in, in the red zone and get it. So that could be upwards to 10, might even eat into his passing touchdowns a little bit. But I, I think it's certainly possible. And he could go for another solid, you know, if he's on it, completely on this game, he could go for another solid 500 you know, 600 yards on the ground, I think is entirely possible. Yeah, I think that you're, I mean, Fields has been a, a winner his entire career. I mean, since the time he, in high school, when he first touched the field with Ohio State, I mean, he's been an absolute baller. Obviously, the NFL is a little bit different, but I don't necessarily foresee him not being able to do it here. I think that that 4,000 yard mark, if he can surpass that, that would be insane. And I'd be extremely happy for it uh, over an entire season, of course. So kind of break it down uh, by how many games you think he's going to play. I mean, obviously, if it's we don't think he's going to get 4,000 yards in the course of eight games, but over a 16 game season, uh, I'm going to listen. I'm going to do this. I'm going to say 3,900 yards. I'm going to say 26 touchdowns and I'm going to say eight interceptions. Because I think that he's going to have a similar year to maybe Deshaun Watson had in his first full season. Obviously, he tore his ACL in his rookie year in 2017. 2018, he came out and had 4,165 yards, 26 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. I think Fields is going to be a little bit less turnover prone, a little more accurate. I don't know if he'll necessarily put up all the yards that Deshaun Watson did in his uh, first full year. Obviously, he had DeAndre Hopkins, uh, who was was really uh, entering his prime during that time. If Fields could hit the projection of 4,000 yards in one season, man, that would be game-changing for this Bears team. If Fields gets anything more than like... 25 touchdowns 10 interceptions anything better than that i think this is a huge success for his rookie season because those numbers are very impressive for a rookie yeah absolutely and and i only say it because i think that he's capable of it and obviously that's why all the excitement is there and of course you know with that being said though we can't be you know super if he ends up throwing for 20 touchdowns and 14 picks and whatever you know period that's of, okay of thing. yeah it's okay you're gonna have to live live with it and and still be optimistic he's still got plenty of room to grow um but you know just kind of my confidence in him from right from out of the, right out of the gate is why i kind of said what i said but yeah not to beat it to where do you foresee this bears offense under dalton and under fields as far as like league rank yeah i mean how how good do you think they'll be because realistically with we're not going to be top 10 i mean we could be maybe with fields if he really hits the ground running but with dalton that's uh, where i with fields on borderline top 10 and then with dalton let's say they're about league average so give me 15 16 17 that'd be a huge upgrade (laughs) over anything we've had in the past i'd be super excited for that so i'm gonna i'm gonna 30 second yeah I'm going to sign on with that. Um, I think that, man, if Fields can get us into the top 10 offenses in his rookie year, that would be insane. 
I think anything above 15 would be a, a great step forward, especially over the span of an entire season. I man, I just want to see the Bears put up a couple 40 touch uh not 40 touchdowns, 40 uh 40 point games. We need to see more 40 point games from this Bears team. They did a couple at the end of the season last year. They have it in them. They have some good talent on offense now. They have a good prospective quarterback. They have a respectable uh stopgap solution. Uh man, this Bears team, we need to see a step forward on this offense or else uh uh, I think a lot other or else, a lot more changes will be made. Now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Fans are going to be so incredibly mad. Yeah, I mean, I'd say let's end it off on a positive note. Let's let's hope that what we said about Dalton and Fields can can remain true. And yeah, I mean, we'll set you all off to to dream about what could be for this for this offense. 40, 40 point games, not that much to ask for in today's NFL. Give us a few of them. No. Let's be happy. Even if this team isn't, you know, that particularly great next year, if we can put some points on the board and just have some entertaining games, you know, what more can we ask for just to be a little bit entertained Mm -hmm. from noon to three on most Sundays? You know, Mm -hmm. let's go for it. Let's get it. It's going to be a a fun season. You know, continue to push on. We got you guys covered from now to the end of the season. So make sure you guys keep it completely locked in. And then from the end of next season, on to the next season after that one, too. <laughs> um, For, to infinity. But, yeah, unless you got anything else to add on, Austin, I think that, you know, we've tapped this week's worth of news from an hour and ten minutes. It's definitely doing mm-hmm. it more than justice. <laughs> yes, thank you guys so much. You know, we'll always be here to be your faithful uh, podcast listen, even if... There's not a bunch of Bears news going on. That certainly was the case this week. We're excited for training camp that's coming up towards the end of July. Uh, hopefully, we can somehow make it there. Um, obviously, a little bit of for both recent I schedule conflicts, considering uh, I do not live even remotely close to Illinois anywhere. And, uh, Reese, you don't live too close to uh, up there in uh, Lake Forest I can either. Make the so. Trip. I can make the trip. Um, we'll we'll <laughs> figure it out. We'll figure it out. We hope to get out to a training camp at some point uh, this season. Worst case scenario next season, but we'll definitely let you guys know when if a trip is planned or anything like that. Uh, we'd love to meet some of you guys and uh, you know just celebrate this great team that we get the. I guess displeasure to be a fan of to this point. Um, I know that our, our, our it is it is honestly though like at, at going forward we have Justin Fields we have a lot of op- we have a lot of optimism. Um, bear down, guys. Bear. I, 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 I'm I'm excited for this down. season. <laughs> See ya.